0: A child hangs back in gym class because he just knows he'll be the last one picked. Another child monologues non-stop about dinosaurs on every playdate, and still another talks nonstop throughout the movie, even though everyone asks her to stop. They don't get invited to birthday parties, are thought of as "too much" or "too little, and play dates often end poorly. Do you know any of these children? Every child struggles with something, and many have social challenges that, at their root, are issues with executive function and a need for social skills training. And while this may seem like child's play, those who know and love the children who struggle in the area of friendship know that it can be a very lonely place to be. The child often wants to have friends but isn't picking up on social cues, the need to be flexible, and how to connect with same-age peers. They may ask, in one way or another, the heartbreaking question, why will no one play with me? To help these children, we will be turning to Caroline McGuire. Caroline McGuire is a personal coach who works with children with ADHD and the families who support them. Caroline earned her advanced level certification from the ADD Coach Academy and her PCC, Professional Certified Coach Certification, from the International Coach Federation. She also received a Master of Education from Lesley University. Her revolutionary coaching program and methodology helps teach executive function skills to children, teenagers, and young adults. She is a former coach coach for the Hollowell Center in Sudbury, Massachusetts. While at that center, Caroline was the main coach for children and teenagers. She consults with schools and families internationally and has been co-leading social skills groups for over a decade. She is the author of the new book called Why Will No One Play With Me? The Play Better Plan to Help Children of All Ages Make Friends and Thrive. I am so thrilled to have you on the show. So welcome, Caroline, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a great title, How to Talk to Kids About Anything, because uh, that is sort of what I do. I always try to figure out how we can reach the kids.
0: Yeah, it's go- it's such a good book. I read through it, and it's a really important topic. I know so many people who are struggling in this area. And, and before we get into the thick of it, for those who haven't read your book yet, as it's just coming out now, and they haven't seen you speak or uh, received coaching from you, can you tell us what got you up in the morning and what got you so interested in helping children gain better friendship and play skills so that they can thrive?
1: Oh, it's a great question. So um, the reason why Will No One Play With Me, the book came to be, was that um, I was bullied as a child and overcame it and have had, you know, rich friendships in adulthood. But um, I started working with kids and I was working with them on mostly, you know, academics and life skills and the things that would affect them from ADHD challenges. But As I went on, um, I found that many of them didn't have playdates, their parents didn't have a great social life because they didn't have Mm -hmm. playdates, teenagers were struggling, young adults were struggling, and that social skills was such a profound issue. And then one day, a little boy asked me uh, the thing he wanted to know most was, why will no one play with me? And I already had started to think that we needed to do something different, and it really Really, really stuck with me it was one of those things that kind of shakes you and I've been uh, on this journey ever since mm.
0: I so appreciate that. We have spoken with some other coaches who do an incredible job helping out with executive function skills and and ADHD, Seth Perler, Cindy Goldrich. You talked to uh, Debbie Reber, who talks a lot about this as well. But I love that you have such a specific angle with friendship because it's an area that Can make or break childhood I mean, obviously we want our kids to succeed in school And we want them to thrive in all different ways But that social aspect is so important In your book, you define a social problem As anything that keeps your child from engaging with a group Making friends and keeping them Getting along with peers And navigating social situations as they arise you tell us up front that often one of the issues we must help our child overcome is the story that they tell themselves, their internal story that often revolves around what happened in the past or forecasting what will happen in the, the, to them in the future, even before they take that risk and put themselves in that social situation. So can you tell us more about this story kids are telling themselves and how to uncover that story so that we can help our kids change that internal dialogue to something more positive or, or even neutral.
1: Sure, absolutely. So one of the things that I find is that in social skills coaching and in life, a lot of us just sort of start to attack the problem and we start telling kids what to do. You know, go up to this group, talk to this person, be more friendly. But my approach is, is different in the sense that Um, What I found in many, many kids is that they actually had these stories they were telling themselves, um, smart kids don't need friends, Mm. or that nothing's going to work out, or um, this is my mom's problem. My mom thinks this is a problem. This isn't really a problem. Mm. And so what I found was that if someone doesn't buy into something, right, if I don't think that I need to change, or that change is possible, I'm not going to do it. So, my biggest um, realization and sort of um, pitch to parents is to instead of going and launching right into telling kids things, the coaching method that you're going to learn in Why Will Know and Play With Me really uses questions, not interrogation, but questions and curiosity. Because when you hear somebody um, isn't going to a triathlon because they like, um, they like biathlons, but they don't like triathlons, so they're not going to attend. Aren't you curious? Like, why? Mm-hmm. What's going on? What's, it, what's that about for them? And so I think, you know, that's the sort of first layer of this is when you hear your child talk, what are the things they say about social? You know, it doesn't work out for me kind of things. And that's the first step um, in terms of addressing these social challenges
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right so some of them are telling us that everybody's stupid anyway i don't like their dumb games if even if I did go up to them, they'd say no. So they've already, they have some preconceived notions about what is going to happen. So in that case of, uh, you know, creating that, that story and addressing that story, what might be some questions you would ask and, and how might we move that internal dialogue from something so negative to something more positive?
1: Great question. So absolutely, one of the ways that we move that dialogue along is in coaching, you come from curiosity, Mm -hmm. right? So one of the things I teach parents and I provide scripts and and tips is to be curious. You don't have to have a perfect question. Mm. You can literally ask, how come? Mm. Or tell me more about that. Mm. Now, a lot of kids do clam up and maybe they have a harder time even just knowing why, right? Or you get a really negative response and they tell you all the reasons things don't work out and all the reasons that maybe they'll have friends in college, but they're not going to have friends in high school. So this isn't one conversation, right? This is many, many conversations. And that's why we don't want to interrogate them. We want to keep it a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. And the analogy I have is that, you know, if someone tells you something, if a girlfriend tells you something really kind of um deep and dark you don't just launch into interrogating them you sit back a little bit and you listen Mm. so we're we're needing to sit back and understand that there they could sort of um need just this to be a few minute conversation and move on but what I would say to that kid is you know how come tell me more about that um what do you mean by that Mm. you know what does it mean all all kids who are smart don't have friends Mm. Um, And then also, um, if they don't answer, you can offer them a buffet of choices, like, is it that you're anxious? Or is it that you don't like the kids there? And Mm. often what will happen is they'll, they'll get almost angry at you. That's not it. That's not it. It's this. Mm. And then they give you a totally, um, you know, a third answer you never even thought of. And that's the other big pitch I have so much for parents don't assume you know the reason. Mm. I often hear parents, you know, I belong to this this um, pool in the summer. My daughter's a swimmer, and it's just like, you know, a, a dirt. <laughs> it's not fancy. And parent, I hear parents all around me saying, "I know exactly why my kid does X or Y." Mm. Do you? Mm. Because mm. often when I ask them that question, I get an answer that the parents have never conceived of. Mm right? Mm. They have a lot going on in their head. So first ask, don't tell.
0: Mm. Such an important distinction so that we are really in the position of listening and, and hearing our children out so that we can uncover how we might help them. So what would you say, I know in your book, you talk about the different behaviors that might Invite people in versus alienate them, and perhaps if we talk a little bit about that, uh, the people who are listening—our parents, our educators, our coaches—they might be able to understand what's going on in these kids' world. So, what are sort of the do's and don'ts that our kids should or should follow so that they can have a more successful social experience? What have, What have you seen as a you really should not do this, but you should do this instead?
1: Well, I think um, one of the things is to tell and interrogate, right? To get really intense, to grieve the child in the, you know, don't, if you're in the front hall with a piece of paper about academics, a printout of grades, or, you know, you've heard something and you, you, you're in the front hall waiting for them when they get off the bus. I, I ask you to step into their shoes. How would you feel if someone was waiting in the front hall for you? Mm, right? Mm. So I also think we have to sort of modulate our emotions and and manage ourselves and sort of, you know calm ourselves down before we talk about stuff that makes us upset. Mm. I also think another big tip is um, everybody has stuff from our past with our own friendships that mm-hmm. make us upset yes it's right?
0: triggering it's so, so triggering, triggering right Oof.
1: so if you were left out and you dream mm-hmm. that your kid would never be and now they're <laughs> left out or you're super social and your kid is an introvert mm-hmm. you're gonna have to learn to manage that a little bit because what we're trying to do is make them their best self we're not trying to make an introvert an extrovert. We're trying to make it so that they have choices. Mm-hmm. So that's those are a couple of things. The other thing is siblings. Siblings can be a great source of information and I talk about that in the book. You know, if you have a kid who clams up or a younger kid and you have a sibling who's kind and generous and can sort of do a little research and find out what's going on, that's great. But you don't want to talk about this stuff in front of siblings. You don't want to have that conversation about why won't you ever attend anything at school in front of a sibling or someone they don't like because they're going to clam up and they're going to resent it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's environment. Right. And and stepping into their shoes and remembering that um, kids have opinions about what they want things to look like and if they are a kid who clams up maybe asking them what are four words that I should not say ever again <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay like why do you do this <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly but because you know some kids will say to me I don't like it when she says calm down uh, okay yeah, I mean right. you can say something else but right. you know that might be triggering for the kid, it might make them really angry really fast.
0: Okay, and then if we sort of turn this on our ear and for those who are listening in and, and they're thinking, you know, my kid does have trouble, but I really don't know why. What are some behaviors that you typically see in kids who are left out or who are asking such a question of why will no one play with me? What What are some of the things that they might be doing?
1: Well, there's a few things. Um, You have to be part of the social realm in order to have friends, right? Mm-hmm. You have to attend stuff. You yes. have to participate, right? You have to go to lunch, right? A lot of the kids I work with do not enter the lunchroom. They do not go to after-school activities. Yes. They are not around. They're like ghosts. And then they complain they're yes. invisible, but yes. you are not in the mix. And, and also, I think parents just remember... It almost doesn't matter what brain-based reason brings a kid to this, or maybe they're just inherently shy or they're shy from the the jump, but it really matters, like, what do you need to do to be social? Mm -hmm. Do you need to participate? The other thing I notice is not being able to adapt. Mm-hmm. You know, do you ever have that girlfriend who you always go to the restaurant they want mm-hmm. and you see the movie they want mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you kind of it gets old, doesn't it? You're mm-hmm. like, well, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to go here. So that's a big thing I see. And it's not just sharing. It's, um, you know, picking the movie, picking what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. um telling, being too bossy, being the rule police, telling everybody what they want to do. And by the way, people can be the rule police at 40. You know, it's (laughs) a kid who pulls out their phone and says you know, actually, and corrects everyone. Oh, gosh.
0: Um, No. (laughs) um,
1: And so that's another one. And then the third big you know, big thing is too much. Mm -hmm. If a kid is really loud, the joke goes on too Mm -hmm. long, maybe they're immature Mm -hmm. um, and they're just too much. That's the other thing that um, tends to get you in trouble. And one of the things that I notice about these kids or that I've found that parents might be, you know, nodding and identifying with is a lot of times all of these kids don't realize that everything we do other people notice Mm -hmm. and so if you are nagging your mother in the middle of the hockey you know uh, the hockey waiting room and you're you know really being obnoxious people notice Mm -hmm. and your friends notice and they don't love it yeah you know if you are bossing someone you're you know someone else around constantly um people people just
0: back mm-hmm. away. Yeah, you're so, the if you're the kid on the bus that's getting into trouble or, or the joke is going on too long and you keep pushing and pushing, people notice those kinds of things and it gets really frustrating, even if they're not part of it, right?
1: Even if they're not part of it. So I'll give you an example. I had a group of, of little girls over here the other day, friends of my daughters, and they were all talking about something that a, a, a boy in their class had said um, obnoxious and putting down to someone Mm. else. Now, they don't love this someone else, but they're not eager to be his friend, right? right? Because they're watched and they saw him, you know, continually putting someone down all day. Mm. So I think we have to, you know, a lot of times the methods that I'm showing you and why we'll know play with me are all about how to help kids walk in other people's shoes and learn what Being social is about what is friendship about, and what are those friendship behaviors that you need to produce, and then okay, how do you do it?
0: So, so let's say for the kid who, let's say the kid is not particularly sporty. Maybe the maybe you're talking about somebody who's not very interested in large groups of people, or they don't they don't like team sports. You hear this a lot. They prefer to play with small numbers of people. And everybody's out playing soccer and lacrosse and hockey, and and they're not. So now, what is it that you're going to to say to somebody who's listening in on what to do with a child who really wants more friends, is feeling invisible, but doesn't, you know, even though you're, do you want to play basketball? Do you want to play golf? Do you want to play tennis? Do you want to, you know, and the answer
1: is no. Now what? So here's the thing too though. Everybody can find a group and people like you mm-hmm. who want what you want, right? Mm-hmm. It, you know, you don't have to like you don't have to participate in sports. There are gonna be moments in life when you're not with the people you want to be with, but as long as you find your people, that's okay. Um, and I think that's also a, a thing for parents. You know, if your kid is quirky, that's great, that's fine. But even the most quirky kid should be able to find a group of people who who are like them and who like them. Um, And if they can't, it's usually a sign that they have behaviors that alienate other people, right? So for the kid who isn't sporty, I look at what they do, and I'd help them with those underlying skills, but I'd also help them find their people, right? So I don't want to do it when they're if they're alienating people want to work on the alienating stuff before i introduce them to new people but you know it might be that they need to do um school of rock on saturdays mm-hmm. it yeah. might be that they need to join the robotics club yeah. um we're talking about being social we're not saying you must play basketball right like it, it's it, so to me there is a compromise though where one of the things i talk to kids about is if you want to sometimes participate and be invited, what stuff do you have to do? What's sort of the minimum? You know, (laughs) I need to play soccer once a week or gaga ball or whatever, so that I am, you know, friendly with these people I want to be friendly with. And then the rest of the week, I can do something else. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always these balances. And I think um, some kids very naturally come to it and other kids just don't come to these kind of things naturally.
0: Like in some way, you you just sometimes have to put yourself into situations where you may not be as comfortable. You have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit because that is where the people are. That is where the potential friends are. So even if you may not absolutely adore soccer, but you know that there's people there that you really would like to get to know. That might be a place for you to be, you know, um, if you're, you know, know that some people have joined an art class and you'd like to get to know them, but you may not be enthralled with art. Hey, it may be something to try. I, I, I think sometimes, you know, we, you know, our, our kids wind up shutting things down before they even, per, you know, even think to themselves, there might be some good that comes out of this.
1: Absolutely. And and, you know, the thing about it is, too, is that when we have more of a collaborative conversation with our kid where we give them examples of stuff we do, because it makes us, you know, fit in more that, you know, maybe on a on a snowy, cold New England light, I do not want to get in my real clothes and go to book club. No, but right. I want to have friends. Yes. right. Yes. You know, I think we have to have that talk and also. You know, I, I don't want kids to quit everything, but I also am re- I do recognize that they have to have a place and some things that they really love. Yes. Great. Um, but Agreed. also talk about, you know, what are the things that other kids do? What makes them enjoyable as friends that makes you like want to pursue them? And then what do you need to do sort of minimum? to be part of that crowd, Mm -hmm. not like in a, a hanging on way, but you know, there's many situations kids face and we can sort of remember as kids where, you're in a lunch period without your friends. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you need to be with these people and get along with them. And it doesn't mean you have to be the best soccer player. But it means if you want to sort of hang out with these people, you know, you have to play a little bit. So I think those conversations and the coaching technique really helps because you're asking questions rather than interrogating. So you're like, what is what is what would it look like if you spent you know, a day a week playing soccer. Mm-hmm. What do you think you it needs to look like for you to manage this situation, right? You're not telling, you're
0: asking. Mm-hmm. That's a really good strategy. I like that a lot. Um, so obviously we've talked a bit about coaching and, and that we would be in the position of coaching. Uh, can you talk to us about sort of how to set up this whole, whole thing like the steps we would need to follow to have these hard conversations especially if we are now saying to ourselves we would like to coach our child on friendship and we're not going to just jump on in there we probably need to say something to our child so what are we saying to our child how do we set this thing up
1: Oh, great question. So um, I just want to mention that and why will no One play with me? I go through this step by step by step, mm-hmm. just so parents are are aware of that. But here's the thing. We want to have a conversation and I call it paving. So, you know, everybody likes to sort of ramp up to things, right? And so you're going to spend time, your first step is to spend time talking no matter what age the child is about getting help and modeling getting help. And if you are a family that has not reached out for help, even to a plumber, and your kid has been really resistant to these kinds of, you know, taking help from you about social, you might spend more time, but that's okay, because it's going to pay off. Mm -hmm. And what you want to do is talk about your go to people, when you reach out for help and you wanna model that. Hmm. The other tip is as you're having conversations, you may need to volunteer something you're going to work on that is hard Mm -hmm. because i can guarantee you if this is not something that's easy for a kid one of their sources of resistance is this is hard for them Mm -hmm. and maybe other stuff is easy for them so you're paving and you're talking about it and then when you have a conversation sort of step two you want to make sure that you know that it might be a short conversation And then you might have a few of them. So parents tend to want it to be like this big epic conversation, but you know, sometimes that is not the way it works out. Mm -hmm. You also don't want siblings around, you don't want distractions. If they're in a bad mood, they get off the bus, you intended to talk to them about this today, don't do it, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're not receptive. And then you wanna bring it up in a soft way where you either say, um, you know, what's going on with friendship these days? Hmm. What would you like to change this year about friendship? Something soft like that. Or, hey, buddy, you often tell me that you're kind of unhappy and you feel like you'd like things to change, what would you like to change? Mm -hmm. You can reference, you know, I've noticed it's hard for you because we live in a football town and you don't play football. Mm -hmm. You know, what would it be like to find your people? Mm -hmm. And you start with this broader concept of, Friendship, mm-hmm. right? Not going to, you always do this. I saw you be rude to Uncle Jimmy at Thanksgiving. I've talked to you about this a million times. No, staying in the neutral, detached, um, whatever I hear, mm. I'm going to be okay with zone.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're, you're really hitting on something very important. I'm just feeling it right in my heart uh, that, you know, this is this is something that we can help with. But if we are so entangled in what our child says, or how they react, or what happens next, then we can't
1: be so helpful. Is that correct? Right, right. Okay. We can't be helpful if if everything becomes an interrogation mm-hmm. or if everything co- becomes about thing, the, you know, the thing that they're not good at, mm-hmm. um, everybody is working on something. And I say that's that why all
0: the time, saving. literally everybody. all the time is my, that is something that I say to my kids and my kids have repeated it back to me, which is. <laughs> it really tells you how much I say it, but I think that is so important because I think sometimes people, you know, our kids will think this is hard for me, but it's not hard for other people and nothing is hard for them. You know, even, even the small example of, uh, you know, when you're looking for an example and you, you, your child is good at reading and somebody else is having trouble and has to, you know, leave class to get extra help, but they have trouble with writing. And they get extra help for writing like everybody's working on something whether it's social or it's academic or it's something else and and nobody has it all together even if they look like they do
1: absolutely and just know you know we always think the grass is greener yes right so as you enter this conversation your kid may think that it's easy for everyone else i don't care that i'm great at reading i don't care that i'm great at math Uh, you know, this is hard for me, and those things are easy for me. And so that's why I always suggest another sort of easy thing to volunteer is to not only foster this, everyone's working on something environment at home, which will benefit you in totally, you know, a million ways. But also, you know, I am going to run a road race, I want to run a road race, like, God, I don't want it all but, you know, my daughter heard one of these podcasts and she said to me, you know, <laughs> that's hard for you and this is hard for me. So I'll make you a deal. That's the kind of deal you want to strike, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. want to suggest, um, you know, that you're also going to leave your comfort zone because this is leaving the comfort zone for these
0: kids. Yes, this is oh, such a, a good strategy. I know you also talk about, you know, having sort of, a schedule and a plan and even incentives when it comes to to moving this process along so what can you talk to us a little bit about that and and how you can have almost in you know and you know that you need to work on certain things how to kind of make sure that you're hitting on those things and what's this whole thing about incentives and how does that get incorporated
1: Sure. So in the the book, the Play Better Plan is what it's called. And what it does is it has an, an executive function questionnaire. You take the questionnaire um, and then you see sort of based on the questions, what are the things that my child needs to work on? And so when you're presenting this to your child, there's a few things you can present. Some people are going to use this book just to have these conversations and, th- and they don't have a lot have skill building to do, but a lot of people will have skill building to do. And in that case, you're, the idea behind this is that you schedule time to actually work with your child. And parents always say to me, well, I don't have time, but you're spending time. We're all spending hours and hours having these conversations about the bus and the lunchroom and whatever. So, you know, I give you guidelines, but the idea that you're presenting to this child is that you would spend some time on this. Well, You know, they kids always sort of wonder what's in it for me. Mm -hmm. So I suggest that if your kid is motivated by incentive plans or if they are a kid who, you know, wants something, then going back to the idea of me running the road race, I'm sort of saying to them, you know, I need you to show up like this. I need you to be willing to listen, be willing to try, you know, give me a half an hour a day or, you know, 45 minutes, whatever is age appropriate. And I, you know, in return you can earn points or I'd be willing if I saw this to think about, you know, you having a little more freedom because what we want is for them to realize that this does benefit them. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are going to be kids who are just so into having friends and they want it so bad and they are motivated and they will just plunge right into it. Um, but there's also other kids who are like, I am I'll only do this because you know, you know, maybe I get something out of it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not bribery because bribery is if you stop this right now, I'll give you a cookie. It's, it's more of a plan so that they feel what's in it for me. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So you talk about all the lessons that we can go over with our kids. Uh, You talk about friendship chemistry, um, showing interest, empathy, uh, reading moods, knowing your audience, What what might be an example of of a lesson or two that you might go over and how might you present that information to kids in, in a playful way that doesn't feel like I'm at school and I'm learning in health class?
1: Sure, absolutely. Great question. So um, one of the things that goes into reading the room and sort of knowing what people are thinking and knowing, you know, that the person next to you got bad news and you got good news, but you shouldn't brag about it, right, <laughs> yeah. is is reading context and mood and people's energy, right? Mm-hmm. So a quick story, I had a, um, a client who didn't really read these things. And he went into a teacher's office and the lights were off and she was packing up and she had everything in her bag and she stood up and he just didn't read that, right? Like she's leaving, she Mm -hmm. doesn't have time to talk now. And my thing is some people just don't pause to pay attention or they don't read that. But rather than telling them that, we're gonna do fun exercises. So um, one of the really fun things to do is to go to a food court or a mall and you actually have an assignment of looking at people and trying to spy and figure out what are their body signals when they're intense? What are their body signals when they're in a bad mood? You can also just do it within your family where you know we pick people and the exercises in the book and then it's like, what does mom do and say when she is at the end of her rope?
0: Mm-hmm. Not that and that then, ever happens though, not right? Not
1: that, <laughs> that that ever happens. But you know, there are kids where the families will come to me and say, I don't understand. Like I gave every signal that I was at the end of my rope, and well, and, and not only that, actually said I am <laughs> at the end of my rope. <laughs> exactly. And yet still. <laughs> and and teachers will say to me, you know, I told the class this, and then you know, my one little friend or teenage friend, even doesn't read the room. And so they kept going, right? right, right. And so this exercise is designed because when you read the room, if you parents listening, really think about it, you do pick up on people's energy you not only listen to what they say but there's like a vibe that people put off well a lot of people in life don't read that vibe so this exercise is there's many of them but they're fun you know it's fun to go to a food court you end up giggling you end up watching people we pre we practice how to watch without watching um we figure out we go to a box store and we figure out who's in charge even though they're not really in charge because they're super boss And you can tell by how, how do you tell the way they talk, the way they give other people orders. And then you have a conversation if your kid is bossy about what do you think the other people felt about that?
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that that's really helpful and it's nice to be able to kind of otherize it a little bit that they're not only talking about themselves, they're they're witnessing what's going on in the room so that uh, they're talking about what they see and then it becomes a little less personal and then you can equate it back to, you know, some other things that you've seen so that they can have some perspective on past behaviors.
1: Absolutely. You know, a, a tip always for parents, right? If your kid is is resistant or they don't want to hear about it, ask their advice. And mm-hmm. I and I people always say to me, "Oh, you can only do that with little kids." No, 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 no. no. I do it with teenagers every day. Of course, mm-hmm. now that I've told all of America, maybe yes. it won't work for me anymore. But I oh. um I ask them about a case. I have this kid, he won't go to anything. He really desperately wants friends, but he won't go to anything. And they give me advice. And then they eventually say, you know, that's kind of like me Mm -hmm. and they just start talking. And then it's like a deer. Don't look at it too close, (laughs) don't get too close. Don't
0: get too close. Don't (laughs) (laughs) scrunch your face up. Don't look way too interested, (laughs) concerned. Um,
1: (laughs) Because the deer will run away. But (laughs) I think that that's that's something you can always do. And that's part of the method of the book um, is something called social spy, where instead of telling a kid you always do X, Y and Z, we have them go to school, go to a box store and and watch other people. We practice so that they're not watching directly. There's a whole series of rehearsals. And then. They see things. So my classic story is I have this girl, she was uh, pre-med, and she was telling me that she was doing everything it took to get into medical school. And you and I both would look at what she was doing and say, no, she's not. She's sleeping till one in the afternoon, Saturday, whatever. Well, instead of telling her that, I said, I want you to go to campus and I want you to spy. What do other pre-med kids do on Saturday? When do they get up? When do they hit the library? When do they go to bed? She came back and she said, Caroline, you'd be astonished. They don't get up at one in the afternoon.
0: Mm, Lots of people up all at (laughs) all hours. (laughs)
1: So what it does is instead of this being a fight and me telling her and her shutting down,
0: she made the discovery on her own. Right. Oh, and it's always more just more to the gut when you discover it on your own. It becomes your own truth rather than somebody else telling you. And then you don't you can't fight with yourself. So that makes a much more um, potent argument.
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it does.
0: So if you see your child Doing something off-putting, like, okay, you've, done, you've, got, you've been going, maybe going over some of these things. Let's say they're at a play date. You're there because you're in the kitchen. They're at your house. The child starts to do something. That is off-putting. Let's say it's um, maybe they're they're playing a game or they're building something um, and the other child just seems done with whatever it is that they're doing, but they keep going. Or they're the child who, you know, is telling the joke and telling it into the ground and the other child is done. So, or, or they, maybe the child refuses to be flexible, as you've said in your book um, about something that everybody else has chosen uh, a movie and, and they are, oh, I don't want to watch that. I'm going to watch this. i want to watch this. And they don't stop. So in the moment, now what am I doing? What are we doing so we don't embarrass our child and that we're helping, but not hindering
1: Okay, this is such a good question. So as parents, our inclination is to swoop in and and say, oh my gosh, what are you doing? You know, let your friend choose, blah, blah, blah. Here's my advice. We are going to do a lot of pre-planning in this book. We are going to do a lot of coaching and preparation and role play. And, you know, have a play date with a cousin, and I want you to to simulate. And we assign kids missions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what happens is the mission is to let the other person choose the movie. But they do it like the first five minutes of the play date, and then things fall apart. That's okay. We're coaching from the sidelines. We might have a cue, right? We might say, something that's prearranged, like, hey, do you want popcorn? And that's a signal to the kid, you're being bossy. Mm. We may want to, you know, give them a little, you know, signal like a tap on the shoulder. We may want to um, do something very subtle, but we can't intervene. And here's why. As early as five and six, kids will say to you, why is that person intervening. Mm. So if it gets bad, and there's, you know, obviously any physical violence, please intervene. But we're trying to prepare them. And we're learning that if they start the play date, and the first 15 minutes was usually an epic disaster, and now it's better. Mm. That's where that's where a success.
0: Yes. Okay, excellent. Yes, that's a success. Because then at least we we're now building on something, right? There's there's been a change. Okay, excellent. And then after. After the play date, I would imagine you can debrief and talk about what went well and and maybe what what could be done differently. What would you do?
1: Absolutely. So, Wild Know Play with Me has like a whole chapter on debriefing and a whole checklist you can use. And you're going to talk about the wins, right? I saw you be really kind. I noticed that you were great for the first 15 minutes about sharing. Mm-hmm. I noticed that you really, really worked hard on your mission, um, and even if the intention is there and the result is is not what they intended, we're going to compliment that. You know, I saw you trying, right? Mm-hmm and then we're going to go through and talk to them about you know what we want to do next time. We might want to role play things out and we want to ask what happened there with choosing that movie because you never know, as a parent, even if you're over-listening from the kitchen, it could be that something happened, and some of our kids just don't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. So they end up defaulting to this, you know, bossy mode or whatever. Right. So we're right. going to really talk about it in again this non-judgmental way and then we're gonna plan for next time and we're gonna set up reminders a little guy the other day told me i do better with reminders Mm -hmm. i mean everybody does right Mm -hmm. so as they enter and we're gonna plan we're gonna look at that play date in the debriefing process was it too long was it a playmate that we can work with effectively was it at home or was it in a bounce house and everything went you know cut loose because it was just such a stimulating environment. Mm-hmm. We want to look at all that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's great. And it's, I think, really helpful. And, and and of course, you can ask your child what works best for them. Some may work best with reminders and, and some might have a different type of cue that would be good for them. Um, for some people, it might be a hand signal. For some people, it might be a touch signal. For some people, it might be words. So working with your child and really finding out what works for them, it all can be individualized. So I think that sounds like a a good plan. If you can finish this sentence, the most important thing that kids need to know about playing better and making friends is?
1: To be adaptive.
0: Okay, to be adaptive. So we're really working on that flexibility and making sure that our kids use that empathy, read the room, and know that they need to to bob and weave, to change direction, even though they are, are part of the decision-making, they don't have to just be a, a doormat, that they are are understanding that there are other people, other perspectives, and being flexible, right?
1: Absolutely, because you know if you look at research and they talk about CEOs, and what do CEOs need for, and that's our goal for social, right, is that our kid has friends, they're able to grow up and have relationships and that they can make choices in the workplace they don't have to stay in the same job because they don't have the social skills to navigate mm-hmm. and one of the things ceos all said was they don't expect people to have perfect social skills as a matter of fact especially in the tech sector they don't they don't expect it at all mm-hmm. but the one thing they need is to people to be willing to adapt,
0: mm, mm, ooh. Okay, you know, don't yeah. argue
1: with everyone. Don't be that person who alienates everyone. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have the right thing to say all the time. And I think that's important because as parents, sometimes we look at our kid and we think, wow, you know, for them, this is such a struggle. I can't picture them ever transforming mm-hmm. into someone else we're not doing that we're trying to make them their best self Mm -hmm.
0: oh i love it give us your top tip what do you want us as parents coaches and educators to know about helping children play better
1: i would say my top tip is to ask questions and listen to them Mm -hmm. and hear what they are struggling with and then to work on it with them Because a lot of times, they just don't know how to solve for something, and so they come up with their own way of doing things that just isn't really effective. Mm -hmm. But they're struggling, um, or they have these stories, right? Um, One of my favorite ones is people should come to me. Yes. That's not how life works. Yes.
0: (laughs) Right. Like, why are they not inviting me to play dates? Why are they not including me to the birthday party or whatever? And then you realize you haven't asked them, do you want a play date? Can you come over my house on Saturday? Like putting themselves in there and out there so that the other kids know you're interested. Sometimes they just don't even know that you're interested.
1: Right. And you know, I've had kids who, you know, sit next to someone in class, and they don't talk to them. <laughs> and then they wonder why wasn't I invited, but you didn't talk to them, right. they probably think that you're rude. Right. Um, or, you know, teenagers are milling in the hallway. It, it would be lovely if people came up to you and invited you in and thought about where you want to sit in the lunchroom and all that stuff. I would love that world to exist. But it doesn't. So as a, you know, as a kid, you have to join a group and chat with people. Mm-hmm. You can't wait for them to recognize that you're really shy and draw you in. It right. just, it unfortunately, it doesn't work
0: that way. Right. And if you want to play with the kid who's always busy doing this, that, and the other thing, then put yourself out there and do this, that, and the other thing <laughs> or something right. else. Yes, exactly. Or right, Give us your resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you, your book, and all the great things you're doing?
1: Oh, thank you. It's com, and that's uh, M-A-G-U-I-R-E, or you can just Google Why Will No One Play With Me. And I have actually videos going up soon that are – uh, conversations so that you can see what does this look like? Um, and, uh, the kids in the conversations, by the way, don't love being there. They're not, uh, the Brady Bunch. They're not like thrilled to be having the conversation. So it's very real. Mm -hmm. Um, and that way parents can really see what does it look like to pave? What does it look like to have one of these conversations? Mm, So great. Well, I am, I'm very excited
0: about this episode. I think it's extremely helpful. I think you've helped a lot of people just by what you've been talking about today. I love the idea of asking questions and really helping to sort of co-create this system with kids. So I, I just thank you so
1: much, Caroline, for being on the show today. Thank you so much. This was really fun, and I'm glad that um, I got to be here, and I hope that it helped the parents.
0: I think it's going to help a lot of people. Well, I've got my takeaways, and sweet friends, I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook, go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page, or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I'm also on Instagram, so come on up there at the Dr. Robin Silverman page. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can learn about Caroline's solutions and use them in their own homes I truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything For more information on books, articles speaking engagements or curriculum, please visit DrRobinSilverman.com. So many great podcasts are up up there and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together and please remember even on the days when you fall short, you You've got this, you're here, you're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. You may have heard something today and thought to yourself, I should have had these conversations. I've been doing this all wrong. Don't do that to yourself. You can take this information and you can do it differently today. I see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know that you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Josh. To Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.